So, first of all, Shalom Aleichem to everyone. And thank you very much for having me. Special thank you to Jared for making this happen. And uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Jewish souls come together in the middle of the day and learn Torah. It's Mamash Machai to see. So, thank you for having me. Um, if anyone wants to take this, we only have half printed out, but if you want to pass it out, you can, but you don't have to. So, obviously, since I only have half hour, and Hanukkah is right around the corner, where Mamash, uh, it's about to be Hanukkah, another night, and one of the important things is to know how to look at the candles. You know, by Hasidim, <coughs> there's, a, there's a saying by Hasidim, You have to hear what the candles are saying. You have to hear the story that the candles are telling. There's an Indian, you know, to sit by the candles, by the Hanukkah candles. Once you, once you light them, there's a minute to sit by them, half hour, some say, at least a couple of minutes to not just light them and run. So there's an Indian to, we should, when we're sitting by the candles, you know, what should we be thinking about? Obviously Hanukkah, but, you know, there's, there's some interesting meditations to have when it comes to a candle. So I wanted to learn with you, you know, there's two places in Tanya. I'm assuming everyone has heard of Tanya. Is that a fair, anyone not heard of Tanya? So, in Tanya, there are two places where the Alter Rebbe uses a candle as a mushal. He brings the idea of a candle as a parable. He brings the idea of a candle as a visualization to be able to, to, to see something spiritual, to have a consciousness. One place is in chapter 19 of Tanya, and the other one is chapter 35 of Tanya. But what's fascinating is that even though both places he's bringing a mushal of a candle... They're opposite. They, they're literally, they're opposite knaches. The whole reason is bringing the mushal is to make two opposite points. So we have to see each place and, and look at why they seem to be opposites and then understand, to come to a deeper understanding, and then, of course, to see how, what that means to us. Um, so like this. So in chapter 19 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe is talking about the teva of the neshama of every Jew. The, the nature, the inherent nature of the soul of every Jew. You know, we, one of the main ideas that Hasidah stresses is when it comes to the project of knowing ourselves, you know, the Delphic maxim, know thyself, which is very important <clears throat> to be able to, to, to function um, uh, successfully in the world. So one of the most important things that we have to know about ourselves is that there's a part of ourselves that we can never know. Did everyone get that? One of the most important things that we have to know about ourselves is to know that there's the main part of who we are that we'll never know. Now that's even in psychology. Even before you get into Chassidus and Ruchnius or, or Judaism, even in, main, in psychology, you know, and this isn't like any particular school, this is just ABC. Our conscious mind is only the tip of the iceberg of our mind. Our unconscious and subconscious is much more who we are than what's going in our, on in our, the movie screen of our mind any particular moment. What we're, what we're aware of and conscious of is just a very little drop and projection of our mind. And just to give an example, the fact that all of our digestive systems are working this moment and we're breathing and our hearts are going, that's all our mind is doing, but we have absolutely no awareness of it. So that's also what psychology is about, to sort of investigate your unconscious, because very often... The deeper secrets of who we are are in the unconscious, right? So even in psychology, we know that we don't really know who we are. When it comes to chesidah, chesidah says even deeper that even the unconscious, 
the parts of our soul that are within our body is the, called the foot of the neshama, of the, neshama the regal shabba neshama. The part of the soul that's in our body that we're aware of, the part of our neshama, which the nefesh, the part of our soul that's in our body that makes the me that I know, is called the regal shabba neshama, the foot of the soul. As opposed to the higher levels of our soul that are in the upper worlds are called reish shabba neshama, the head of the soul. Now, how much, do, how much do, does one really know from a foot? Like, if you, get to, you go on a date with someone and you just stare at their foot, and how many x-rays you take, you're not going to really get to know someone by looking at their foot. And that's what we don't really... Le'yadati <clears throat> nafshi, like it says in Shir Shir. Le'yadati nafshi, I don't know my soul, really. That's, by the way, also why our two names are Yaakov and Yisrael, right? Yaakov is Akiv. Yaakov is Akiv, which means heal. That's why sometimes we're called Yaakov. Yaakov is the lower name, heel. And Yisrael is the letters Li Rosh. God says Yisrael means Li Rosh, my head. That's the higher parts of our soul, Yisrael. <clears throat> Which is, by the way, also the explanation that the Slenim Svarim say, when we say Shema Yisrael, who are we talking to? When you say Shema twice a day, three times a day, when you say Shema Yisrael, hear Yisrael, who are you talking to? Who's who Yisrael? Who are you talking to? Other people. Very often you say it by yourself. No one else is there in the room. So who's, you, yourself? You're talking to yourself? A crazy person is someone that talks to themselves. But a real Meshuggan is somebody that has to tell themselves to listen. Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael. Right? So the Slanim Yisrael say, no, you're talking to your Yaakov is talking to your Yisrael. Your, 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 the, the foot of your soul, that's your conscious mind, is saying to the higher part, the real part of who you are, Shema Yisrael, Herzachayin Yisrael, even though I'm down here in this world with all its challenges and all the darkness, and I fall into such schmutz, Shema Yisrael, Shem Alekein Hashem Echad, I'm still saying God's unity. I'm still saying Hashem Alekein Hashem Echad. So it's important, Chassidah says, to know that the parts of who we are that we can never know. We have to know as much about it as we can. In chapter 19 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe uses the muscle of a candle to show us an aspect of our soul upon which a whole derech and avodah Hashem is based. In these chapters of Tanya, and we don't have time to get into, uh, get into it at length, but in these chapters of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe is talking about the fact that every Jew beteva, every Jew by the nature has the nature of our soul, which again, coming from the part of our soul that we're not aware of, that we're not conscious of right now, but every Jew in their Jewish soul has certain, there's a nature, a teva. And this weird, this teva of the neshama is so super rational, it so transcends a rational conscious mind, <clears throat> that it will have an effect on us sometimes in life in ways that are completely against the way that we've lived our, we usually live our life. An example he gives, every Jew, a Jew cannot, does not want to ever be torn away from godliness. And if a Jew had to either tear himself away from God, deny his Jewishness, or die, Al-Kiddush Hashem, or give up one's life, every Jew by nature will die, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Every Jew has a ne- the neshama, and it's not something that's coming from a rational decision. It's the nature of the soul. It's the nature of the soul. Like the Altar of stresses that even unlearned people, like children, 
or the ignorant masses, people that never learned anything, throughout the generations, millions of Jews that weren't Tamidei Chachamim, they weren't very big tzaddikim, gave up their lives rather than deny the Judaism. So you see, it's not coming from something, it's not, called, it's not coming from Chachma Hagluya. It's not coming from their Chabad, their understanding of self. It's coming from Keser. It's coming from the crown of the soul, the transcendent parts of soul. Ad Kach, the Alter Rebbe says, that you had Jews, that their whole life, they didn't keep Torah mitzvahs. And yet, when it came to a chance of, of, of if they were given it up to either convert to, you know, convert to Christianity or die, they chose to die. And this isn't one or two. Thousands and thousands and thousands in our history that chose to die, even though the rest of them, re- in their regular conscious selves, in their Chabad, their revealed intellect, their regular conscious selves, they weren't at all from, or even affiliated. But when it, it was a, when it was a question of their Judaism, being torn away from their Yiddishkeit, their Yahadus, they would have rather died. And by the way, you see that in our generation, you know, before, you know, what's going on now in the world, we're, we're you know, but even before that, past, when I was growing up, I'm sure many of you know, over the past 40, 50 years, you know, you see this? You see this when you had so many Jews that never kept anything, and then when their kids wanted to intermarry, wanted to marry non-Jew or something like that, they, it was like the end of the world. Right? And you see, by every Jew, they have their point that, oh no, but I'm Jewish. That they'll, they'll, they'll give up, the, that they can't be taken away from, whether it's, oh, my kid's going to intermarry, that I can't, that, that taking away from my Yiddishkeit. Right? Whenever a person comes to an extent that they'll feel like something's taking them away from their Yiddishkeit, so then they'll explode. They'll, no way, that I can't handle. That, that I won't do. I'd rather die than that. What the Alter Rebbe says, and this is, you know, the whole derech that the Tanya is saying, is that we have to know, and this is a hard thing to really comprehend and, and internalize, but really every time we do an Aveira, we're, being t- we're, so to speak, going away from our Yiddishkeit. But we have this spirit of folly, we have a Ruch Shtus, we have this spirit of folly in us that sort of covers that over, and, and you know, we're able to, it's what's called today in psychology, cognitive dissonance. Everyone knows, everyone knows you know, cognitive dissonance is? To live with two opposing things at the same time. We all do that. I mean, unless you're a tzaddik. But otherwise, we have a war going on in our mind at all times. So we somehow manage to convince ourselves that, oh, I'll do this, I'm still a Yiddish guy, whatever. But Lamaisa, if I know for sure that doing this thing will make me not Jewish anymore, not connected to God, I would rather die. Says the Alter Rebbe, where does that come from? If it's not coming from the rational mind, if there were millions of Jews throughout the generations that weren't learned, they didn't meditate, they, didn't, they weren't philosophers, and yet, when it came to Yiddishkeit, they're willing to give up their lives. Where did that come from? The answer is, it's the Teva the Neshama. It's the Teva the Neshama. And the Alter Eb in chapter 19 of Tanya says, in order to understand this nature of the Jew's soul, and to know how to work with it, because again, since we have that nature, we could tap into it. The more that we could, so to speak, know the Israel part of our soul, the more that we could be aware of those parts of our soul that we can't know, but we could, we could, so to speak, be aware of, bring them into our life, so we could have that awareness of, of that aspect of the soul, that it's like a candle. Now, the Rebbe says that nature of, of our soul is like the mushal or haner. And that's what I wanted to show you inside, but I'll read it to you, because I want to just read to you some of the words that the Alter Rebbe uh, says. He says... Um, 
So he brings, first of all, a pasuk. The fact that our souls are likened to a candle is really a pasuk. It's a pasuk in Mishle, Shlema Melech's Proverbs. And the pasuk says, Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. The candle of God is the soul of man. Our souls are God's candle. Why is that? Why are we being likened to a candle? So the Alter says like this: Perish, she Yisrael akrim Adam nishmasa milamashal kaor haner shemisnanei tamer lamaile betivoy. The Alter says, "You know what we know about it? What do you know about the nature of a flame? It's always going upwards. A flame, by nature, goes upwards. Always, it's always going upwards. No matter what you do to try to push fire down, it's always going to continue to go upwards." That's the nature of fire. Why? Why does it want to go upwards? And, and it, obviously it's not a cheshben, it's not like the fire makes some kind of rational decision that like it's going to be, you know, support a movement of going upwards. It's just its nature. Why? Why does the fire want to go upwards? So the altar actually says because the nature of everything is to go back to its source, to want to go back to its source. What's the source of fire? So according to the Ramam, according to Maimonidean uh, cosmology based on uh, whatever, according to the Ramam, we know that reality is made of four elements. Right? Earth, wind, water, and fire. I'm sorry, earth, wind, uh, yeah, water, and fire. And by the way, the, the, the source of fire is what's called the the fundamental uh, element of fire that's under the sphere of the moon the fundamental element of fire that's under the sphere of the moon. That's what Tanya says. What does that mean? What does that mean? So reality is, is earth, wind, water, and fire, right? Which in science we would call today solid, liquid, um, gas. gas, and energy, right? That's earth, wind, water, and fire. Now, as the Ramam says, Barichas in Mishnah Torah, what I'm telling you right now, by the way, is in Mishnah Torah, not even more in Nevuchim. Mishnah Torah, which is a safer of Halacha, so the Ramam says, you have to know what we're saying now. It's halach, it's in Mishnah Torah and Yisrael De'atayr. So we know that, every, that what's the heaviest of the elements? Earth. Earth always therefore goes down. If you put earth in water, you have earth, then is water, is the next heaviest. right? Then is air, is lighter than water. And then fire, that's lighter than air. Which is why by nature, when you put earth in water, it'll sink. And when you put water in air, it'll go down, right? Because it goes to its source. That's, by the way, the deeper meaning we say every Shabbos in chapter 136 of Tehillim, Kufla Mervav. You know when we say Kila Olam Chazdos 26 times? You don't talk about Kila Chazdo, Kila Chazdo. We say 26 times, which, by the way, is Gematra Yudhivav, okay? So the 26 times, one of the things that we say is Leroika Haoretz Al Hamayim. Sound familiar from Shabbos morning? What do the words mean? The one that makes the land stand for the aretz, the earth stand for on stand on water. is Hashem's chesed, because the earth should sink into water. Why is the earth that we're on not sinking into water? The fact that the earth doesn't sink into water is against nature. Water is heavier than, I'm sorry, earth is heavier than water. It should sink into water. So the reika aretz al hamayim 
It's a chesed of Hashem that the art stands on top of the water. So every element wants to go to its source. Where's fire source? Well, if air is more lighter than water, so the, where's the source of air, so to speak? We live in the source of air. That's, by the way, why if you try to pump air and water, what's going to happen? Bubbles will come up, right? Because air is lighter than water. So fire, just like bubbles, if you try to put air and water, it goes up because it wants to come to the yesod haklali, the general element of air. Fire wants to go to its general element, which is under the sphere of the moon. In the Rambam's cosmology, we know that all the planets and the moon and the sun circle the earth. And the closest of the, uh, the, the um, extraterrestrial uh, beings, those the planets, and so the closest one, of course, is the moon, right? There are nine, according to the Rambam, there are nine galgalim. All of the stars are in nine spheres that are constantly turning around. Right, that's in astronomy, whatever, won't get into that. But the closest one is called Galgal Hayerech, the sphere of the moon. And right under that sphere is where fire, the, gal, the, the Yisod Klali of Eish, the essential element of fire is right there under the moon. And so that's where fire always wants to go. Because well, that's its source. So whenever you see a flame and it wants to go up, it's always going upwards. Misnanea tomid lamayla. It's always going upwards. Why? It wants to go to its source. Now, you know, when fire goes to its source, it's not going to be the fire that it is here. The way we see fire here, obviously, if you look at the moon, we don't see any fire. Right? The Rebbe Shab says in Ayin Beis, it's an etzem, etzem choshuch, etzem ch- that the fire up there is, is, is dark. It's like not fire that we know. It's not fire in the same way that it, it's here. And yet, that's where it wants to go because that's its nature. And so to our neshama, says the Alter Rebbe, why is our soul likened to a candle? Because our soul is the same thing. A Jew's soul, ner Hashem, nishmas adam, Yisrael hakruyim adam, a Jew's soul is like a fire, like a candle. Our neshama always is going up to God, upwards towards God. Our neshama is always in a constant state of wanting to be one with Hashem. We might not feel it. We might just, you know, be sitting in, you know, watching Netflix or something. But at that moment, 24-7, you have to know that the Rosh Sheba Neshama, the deeper parts of our Neshama, the Yisrael of who we are, every moment is always wanting to go up to Hashem. Now, we usually drown that out. Our conscious animal soul, so to speak, drowns that out. We don't usually hear that. Like I said, we have that spirit of folly that you know, allows us to... We don't usually hear that sound of the soul. But... If something is going to come, there's some kind of challenge that is going to tear me away from my Yiddishkeit. In other words, our godly soul is always 24-7 like the flame going up to Hashem, always wanting to go back to its source. Our Neshama wants to go back to Orin Sof, to the infinite light of God all the time. But usually in the course of a day, most of us are not aware of that. We don't hear that part of our Neshama. But if it comes to a situation where you're being told, either be torn away from God, be torn away from, not, not be called a Jew anymore. I'd rather die, because then that part of the soul wakes up and says, I can't be torn away from God. So that's chapter 19 of Tanya. Chapter 19 of Tanya says that the neshama is like a candle. Why? Because it always wants to go upwards. 
Says the altar of in chapter 35 of Tanya. Now, because of time constraints, I don't have time to get Baruchas into, but in chapter 35 of Tanya, the altar Rebbe wants to explain why the ultimate unity of God in this lifetime can only be achieved through doing a mitzvah. Through actually doing a mitzvah or learning Torah. No matter how much one comes to ecstatic spiritual states of loving God, to really unify with God in this world, one has to physically do a mitzvah. We know that's why Judaism emphasizes praxis so much, right? The Lubavitcher Rebbe once wrote a letter to the International Conference of Jewish Mysticism and says, in what way is Jewish mysticism different than every other school of mysticism and other religions? Because we're the only religion that says that the greatest mystical union you could have with God is by doing something, by doing a mitzvah with your body. Think about how much Judaism is about doing things with the body, physically doing mitzvahs, sitting in a sukkah, eating matzah, eating Shabbos meal, you know, davening with your, moving your lips to, to daven. Right? It's all with the body. So the Alter says there's a reason for that. Because the only way to unify with God in this world really is by doing a mitzvah. Why? So the Alter brings a Zohar that gives a mushal, a parable of what? What do you think? A candle. Let's see it inside because this we have over here Let's just read it inside because it's nice to see inside. Look, we're going sti- to skip uh, to where it says the, uh, the third paragraph that says Vahu. Vahu. Everyone sees the third paragraph where it says Vahu? You can follow in English or the Hebrew. That it says in the Zohar, Hachacham Einav Right. The Pasuk says that a wise man's eyes are in his head. Hachacham Einav Birosho. A wise man's eyes are in his head. So the Zohar asks, what do you mean? <coughs> a wise man's eyes are in his head. That's pretty creepy. Where's a stupid man's eyes? So Zohar says, Where else would a person's eyes be? So Zohar says, This is what the Pasuk is saying. That a person should never walk for Amis with a, with a, without, without something on the head, with a revealed head, without a keeper. Why? My time, you know why? Why do we never, the Zohar says, the deeper reason why we always wear yarmulke, which is an interesting thing to know, the Zohar says, you know why we always can't walk for Amis without our head covered? Because the Shechint is Shariyal Because the Shechina is above our head. Because God, is, above, God tra- is above our head. The Shechina is above us at all times. And so when the Pasuk says, a chacham, a wise person, his eyes are in his head, enav birosho, what's that talking about? Where does there's eyes? To the Shechina that's Barosha. And why do your eyes always have to be the Shechina Barosha? Says the Zohar. And every wise person dedicates all his things and all his words to what's above his head. The one that's above his head that's dwelling on his head. That's where your eyes are. And the wise person, when your eyes are there above your head, Linda, you have to know. That light that's burning upon your head, that light of the Shechina, that fire of the Shechina that's above your head, which is why you always have to wear yarmulke, it's the needs oil. When you have fire, there's one way to, only one way to keep the fire burning. And what's that? Oil. If you don't have oil, the fire won't burn. So he says, the fire needs oil. Begin the gufa and listen to the mashal. The Zohar says, begin the gufa, the psila. So now, again, listen to this and, and keep this in your mind when, you, when you're looking at the Hanukkah candles. This is the meditation. The body of a person is the wick. 
And the light of the candle is the Shekhinah upon our head. Make sure you always have enough oil to keep the light, the fire of the Shekhinah on your body, which is the wick. When you have a wick and you have fire, the fire will leave the wick really quickly. It'll burn out and go away, the fire, unless the fire has what? Oil. The fire of the Shekhinah on your head needs oil. And what's the oil? Uvdan tovan. Mitzvahs. Acts that you do with your body. The mitzvahs are the oil. The Torah learning is the oil. And that's what it means that your eyes are on your head. <clears throat> now let's just read the next paragraph, but I want to read it in English because we don't have time. Time is getting late. But look, let's read it in English. The explanation of this figure, whereby the light of the Shekhin is compared to the flame of a lamp, which produces no light nor clings to the wick without oil. And likewise, the Shekhinah does not rest on a man's body, which is likened to a wick, except through good deeds alone. And it is not sufficient that his neshama, which is a part of godliness from above, should act from as oil to the wick. Not enough that you have a neshama, you have to do mitzvahs. And that's, and that's what the altar doesn't go to explain, why the only oil that's going to bring the Shekhinah, the light of God on your body, is mitzvahs that you do with your body. You put on tefillin in the morning, even if you're still thinking about that you wish you would have pushed the snooze button, I don't know if that ever happened to you, it happened to me, more than once, that you're putting on tefillin and at that moment you're still wishing you were in bed. Or your head is at work, or your head is anywhere else. You put on tefillin, you didn't feel anything. You didn't have what today people call a spiritual experience. Says the Zohar, says Tanya, at that moment you've drawn Orin Sof, the infinite light of God, on your body by putting on tefillin, by doing a mitzvah. And the altar explains why. Because Torah and mitzvahs are God. In Hasidic theosophy, a rice of a kutchabrich is literal. Mitzvahs are God's limbs, Torah is God's mind. And when you do a mitzvah Torah, you're bringing God on your body. That's chapter 35. Does anyone see how the parable in chapter 19, how he's using the candle, and how he's using the candle in chapter 35 are opposite points? Or I should say better, opposite directions. Opposite focuses. Anyone? No? What's the Nakud of a candle the Altarab is saying in chapter 19? Which aspect of the candle is he focusing on? Flame. What aspect of the flame? That always, goes up. that always goes up. Chapter 35, what aspect of the flame is he focusing on? How to keep it down here. How to keep the oil to make sure the flame doesn't leave. Right? Chapter 35 was saying you need to remit, so says the oil, to make sure the light of the Shekhinah, the flame stays down here. So which is it? When we look at a candle... Do you meditate on the fact that the flame is always going upwards? Or do you meditate on the fact that you need the oil to keep the flame down here? Which is it? So it depends what the candle, what the flame is being used as a parable for. Now tell me, what's the difference? What's the flame in chapter 19 and what's the flame in chapter 35? Is what? How getting close to Kodesh Baruch? In what way? 
How did he explain in 19 why your soul always wants to get close to the Kudosh Baruch Because it's like a candle. It always goes up. So what's the flame in chapter 19? Your neshama. Your neshama is being likened. Ner Hashem nishmas adam. Chapter 19, your soul is being likened to a candle. Happened in chapter 35. Who's the flame in chapter 35? The body. The body is the wick. Remember, your Chacham Ein of Barosha, the wise man eyes are in his head. Why, don't you, why do you have to always wear a yarmulke? Because what's the flame that's always on your head? Hashem. The Shechina. The light of the Shechina. And how do you bring the light of your Shechina onto your body? By mitzvahs, which are the oil. So here the stress is bringing the light onto your body. Because in chapter 35, who's the candle? Hashem. The light of God is the Shechina. In chapter 35, the Shechina is the light of the candle. And that is mamish the Avaidah of what's called in Chesidus Ratzo V'shov. Anyone ever hear the idea of Ratzo V'shov, running and returning? Rav Nachman Abresov speaks a lot about it also. It's very important that Yecheskel, in chapter one of Yecheskel, when Yecheskel saw the, the chariot, he saw the angels running and returning, going close to Hashem and then going far back. And Rav Nachman says that's always our avoid, that we're going towards God and then we have to go back. Ratzo V'shov, running and returning. Right, we daven and then we go eat. You know, we, we spend Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, <clears throat> then we go, you know, in, into the sukkah. It's always running and returning. And so our soul is always running towards God. And then what, what, what happens after our soul ascends to God? We then have to then bring the Shekhinah onto our body. You understand? The soul is always ascending to God in order and to then come back in the body and bring the Shekhinah onto the body. So when you look at the Hanukkah candle, when you look at the flame, you have these two aspects of the flame to be thinking of, to be meditating on. That that the fire always is going up, like the neshama, like your soul, like your Yisrael, like the, the, the iceberg, the real part of the iceberg, part of who you are, is always like that flame going up towards Hashem. And that aspect of the candle. <clears throat> and at the same time, you meditate, but what, I need the oil. The oil is keeping the flame here. That, and that meditation is that by doing Torah mitzvahs, I'm bringing the light, the, the light of the Shechina, the flame being the light of the Shechina in chapter 35. I'm bringing that onto my body. And so just finish up, before we finish, after we learn those two meditations, I just want to say one more idea that three lessons we learned from the Hanukkah candles. We, had, we just learned two meditations about the Hanukkah candles. But in order to like bring it more into practical, there are three things, the Lubavitch Rebbe once said, three things you learn from Hanukkah candles that are always important to keep in mind. Number one, first thing, the most obvious lesson from the Hanukkah candles is that every night you add another candle. What does that teach you? What's the hayro? What, what do you learn from that? Going you always have to go up. Malin Bakoidish. We always have to grow. Every living thing has to grow. Life is growth. Right? Life is growth. You always have to add candles. You always have to be growing, going more. Then, we learn, the Rebbe says, you learn another thing. Let's say the second night, I get really inspired, and I want to light five candles. Can I do that? No. no. Even though I really feel inspired, I really want to light five. No, you can't. You can only light two. Which means, growth has to be gradual. Very important rule. Sometimes, you know, Rav Shimshon Hirsch said that the special kind of, he asked Rav Shimshon Hirsch, as we say every day in Mayrav, V'hasar satan milfanenu umacharenu. Take away the satan from in front of us and in back of us. So Rav Hirsch asked, I understand why I don't want the satan in front of me. He's impeding my growth. 
Why don't I want him Achreinu? What do I care if the Satan is behind you? So if her said there's a special type of Yitzhara that stands behind you and tries to push you too far and get disappointed and depressed about yourself that you're not standing up to what you think you should be able to be holding. There's a certain Yitzhara that says, oh, I want to do all five candles. And then I have these expectations of myself that are not realistic and that's a Yitzhara because then I, I give up. Oh, I'm not a tzaddik. I might as well not do anything. So that's the second gr- lesson we learn from Hanukkah candles. Growth has to be gradual. But then there's the third deepest lesson, which is already on the first night, you have to use a menorah that has eight spots. Which means that I know that eventually I'm going to light all eight candles. I'm not going to make up a philosophy of Judaism that's a mediocre Yoitzazayn Judaism that I'll be comfortable with and I'll just check out and go on autopilot for the rest of my life. No, I need to get to the eighth candle. I'm always my eye. You know, Oscar Wilde once said, there are many people sleeping on the floor in the root in, in the gutter in the streets, but only some of them are still looking at the stars. So already on the first night, you have to look at the stars and know that you're going to get to the eighth candle. And the Mitzvah Shem, through these meditations and learning these lessons from the Hanukkah candles and hearing what the candles have to say, to have the light of God, the light of the Shekhinah in the world, throughout the world. Amen. Amen. Questions? Comments? Criticisms?